Welcome to season two of A Moon in the Dark with Ellen Blake, where we hope to connect people to God's heart through themes in Marvel movies. All of his life, Loki has been a backstabbing, power-hungry manipulator looking for a throne. In the last episode of the Loki TV show, Loki was offered the biggest throne of all. Will he take it? And how does this concept intersect with our everyday lives? Join us in the conversation. Our family recommends Lewis and Wallace Associates Insurance Agency. They give personalized service for all types of insurance, from home and auto, to long-term care, to life. You can find them online at lewisandwallaceassociates.com. So this past summer, the TV show Loki came out on Disney Plus, and what did you think about it? Well, I thought it was real odd at first, but then I it, then it grew on me. Yeah, I kind of liked it personally. It was well, yeah. It's different, and it's entertaining. Confusing, but they meant for it to be confusing. And I think we're still confused at the end. But today we're going to hit some themes that were in the very last episode. So what comes to mind when you watch that last episode, David? Yeah, so, I mean, at the end of it, Loki, he finds himself in a position to become the ruler of literally everything, of time itself. Yeah. And he turns it down, which is really cool and really, I mean, kind of not like him, right? Not at all. Um, In past movies, Loki has been the antagonist. He's been the bad guy. We see in Avengers, um, the first Avengers movie, Loki is attacking New York City with a alien army, trying to be the ruler of Earth. He's trying to he's trying his best to find a throne, and he he wages a large war to get there. Before that, he in the first Thor movie, he's all upset with Thor about becoming the ruler of Asgard, and he's kind of a, in a constant struggle with Thor of who's going to become the ruler of Asgard when the father leaves. Because they grew up as brothers, and then they weren't shown... The father didn't choose Thor until they were grown, and so they didn't know who was going to become king. Plus, like, he's not really a biological son. So he's always been wanting the throne, and then his brother Thor got it, so he's always been hating on Thor. Right, and so he, he tries to get Thor out of the way, and he tries his best to get the throne. He even kind of tricks his father and it tricks he fakes his own death and then fakes his father's death and impersonates his father and rules for a little while in Asgard and his father is on in a like a nursing home on earth and um, doesn't really go too well for him but he's searching for a throne his whole life and he finally is in the place to get one and even the biggest one ever he turns it down why do you think that is he's got Sylvie he's finally met Sylvie he cares about her. He's actually made a friend in Mobius by the end of the yeah. story. I think that there's a few reasons. One is that he's kind of figured out that he doesn't have to be the bad guy. Because he's always the bad guy. He's always hurting people and getting his way. And he doesn't... He, I mean, this TV show in Mobius kind of shows him that. But it didn't work for him. That hasn't worked. Being Correct. Gra- always grasping for a throne and always being the god of mischief and stabbing everyone in the back hasn't really given life to him. Right. And then also, he kind of falls in love with Sylvie towards the end there, and he sees, like, yeah, there's there's more to life, and 
he wants what's best for her. And having taken the throne earlier in Asgard and removing his very powerful father out of the putting him out of the picture, it kind of released a chain of events to bring Hela, the god of death, which brought Ragnarok, which destroyed Asgard, which brought the death of himself, really, with Thanos. Um, just a chain of events there, and he got to see that in this TV show. It's not great, right? And so here he's in position to remove another powerful being, and he's he knows from his past experiences that it's not going to go well for him or Sylvie. And he knows that Sylvie isn't going to gain anything from getting this revenge, right, by killing this he remains guy who could be King the Conqueror. Right. So he, I guess what you're saying is that all his life, he looks, he's kind of looked back on his life and realized none of that was really satisfying anyway. And that he would rather have a friend, I mean, care for someone. And he actually cares for Sylvie and knows that she's just going to destroy herself by killing him. Right. So he has been on his own throne and he's been looking out for his best interests, interests his whole life until this moment. It's kind of like putting water in broken cisterns where you can fill it up, fill up these jars that have holes in them, and it might hold for just a minute or two, but it's ultimately going to drain out and it never actually holds. It doesn't satisfy. Mm, that's good. That reminds me of Jeremiah. The cistern was a place that held rainwater, but if it was broken, it wasn't going to hold, like you're saying. And God is telling his people that they have dug their own cisterns broken sisters that cannot hold water, but forsaken God, who calls himself the spring of living water. So you're saying that here, really Loki has figured that out, that there is a living water in loving someone. We see here that it's God himself, but God shows us that there are things in this world we think will satisfy, but they ultimately don't. And we grasp at those empty cisterns until we, we've lived a while and we realize those are all cisterns and they're not going to satisfy me. And we finally turn yeah. to God and that's what he wants. And that can be people. It could be achievement, success, popularity, just striving to, to be the best at something or striving to have the most of something. And you can put a lot of work in it. It could be a good thing that God's created um, that's not inherently evil, but just putting that over God is the problem. And the only thing that will satisfy is God and his love for us and putting him first. So it's kind of like when I was doing work crew at Young Life Camp, Sharp Top, over the summer, the speaker was talking about how we need to step off the thrones of our hearts and put Jesus on the throne of our hearts and how we're all walking around looking, trying to satisfy ourselves and trying to be in control of our lives. Like we said, that's not going to satisfy. The only thing that will is giving God control and letting him be in charge. Mm. And that's, it's kind of, it's backwards. Just like most of God's kingdom is backwards in a good way. How releasing the control and surrendering is actually what brings you happiness in a full life. Mm, that's good, David. Yeah. Can I throw a twist in here at the end? Yeah. What else happens in this episode? Well, I see that Loki is betrayed by Kiss. Really? Can you kind of give us how that happens? Yes. So this is after Loki is talking, talks to Sylvie, and kind of he tells his side of what they should do about this Kang the Conqueror, he who remains guy. 
and he tries to convince her that they shouldn't kill him and that they should let him be in charge and that's what's best. And she kind of starts to agree and brings him in for a kiss. But while while she's kissing him, she creates this portal, pushes him through it, closes the portal, and betrays him with that kiss. And he's just flopped into the back into the TVA. He's just so sad. His face is just because he's thinking, oh, "This is our moment," and then he's thrown away and betrayed. So. What I see there is that that, hap that exact thing happened to Jesus. Of course, Jesus knew it was coming because he was God. But he had a friend, Judas. His signal to the scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law was to kiss him in the garden. On the cheek. On the cheek, yes. And so this whole theme of being betrayed by a kiss, like I feel like we as human beings know that feeling. We have that friend we hope is going to be a friend and then they chunk us aside, right? So everyone listening has had that happen before. In fact, if you read through the Psalms, David, he's always complaining about his people who betrayed him and his friend he thought was a friend and then it was an enemy and just the pain of all that. And I guess my point is that when we go through those hurts, we can know that Jesus went through that too. The sadness we see on Loki's face, not only can we identify with that, but Jesus can too, and he can help us. If we're sitting alone in the TVA like Loki, Jesus knows. And the biblical story is that he has experienced all the things so that he can help us. Well, yeah, so we see that Loki gives up a throne just like we should give up our throne. And also that he was betrayed by a kiss, just like you and I have, and Jesus has. And he can identify with us in our hurting, in our pain. So. Well, I, I want to see Loki reappear, and Sylvie, and what Marvel's going to do with them. Yeah, they really left us as a cliffhanger. They so, did. Anyway, thanks for joining us. If you're enjoying Season 2 of A Moon in the Dark, please rate and review the podcast so that other people can find us. God's heart is that his people would turn to him, the spring of living water, and not to cisterns that are broken and can hold no water. Jesus said in John 7 that whoever comes to him would receive living water and would never thirst. Are you searching for fulfillment in something that's like a broken cistern, or have you found the true spring of living water? Jesus himself is our peace, and I'll leave you today with peace for your day and peace for your night.